What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. On my high school team, we had five guys make the NBA. We had the county rocking. It's the mecca of basketball. There are those who come before us upon whose shoulders we stand. It's nothing that you can do to stop a competitive edge. It's just in the water. Welcome back to a special quarantine edition. We got a real special guest. What's up with your Brody with the virtual handshake? I'm going to tell y'all something that I never told nobody. I want all the smoke. Welcome back to another quarantine edition of All the Smoke with my brother Stack Five. What's up with you, bro? Quarantine on the scene. What's going on, bro? Quarantine in mean. Staying off that green, you dig? Yeah, I'm, I'm full of that constantly. You get a chance to watch uh, Hardwood Classics had our uh, game four on last night against Dallas, 07. Hey, and what a coincidence, in crunch time, I backed little Jason Terry down, spin off of him, and they collapsed on me, and I kick it to the right, and guess who's there? My brother, Pedro. I got a lot of hoes off that. I got a lot of, hey, I got a lot of hoes off that shot. I might have got the twins based off that shot. Yeah, that shot, we was popping, man. We was popping rock stars. <laughs> man, that shit was crazy. Man, we got a special guest, man. One of the best young talents in the game. Uh, Future been one of my famous. favorite players. Yeah, man, straight up. Been one of my favorite players since he came in the league. Uh, Boston Celtics' very own Jason Tatum. Welcome to the show, bro. Lil' bro, St. Louis. What's up, man? Appreciate y'all having me. We uh we got a chance to interview uh, Bradley Beal earlier today too, so we know all about and he the, had on, the, the. And he had on the St. Louis hat too. Come on, man, the boys hold it down. <laughs> hey, that, 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 that's one thing about us. And you you know somebody from St. Louis, they're gonna let you know about it. They holding it yes, down. Shout out D Miles. Straight up. Yes, so how are you, man? How how are you and the family holding up right now with the you know with the world coming to a halt? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, every day seems about the same. Um, you know, my, I got my mom, my son up here. So I'm eating good, and, and I'm just enjoying <laughs> quality time. So uh, I'm right. telling. Are you still able to work out at all? 
Yeah, I got like a little gym in the in the um, in the garage. Uh, you know, I make it do do what it do. But um, I just got a hoop in the in the driveway uh, to get some shots up because I ain't touched the ball since since our last game and I think it was Indiana. What was that scare like knowing that one of your, you know, being a father first and foremost, but knowing that one of your teammates uh, got sick? Was there was there a panic or you knew you weren't near him? Talk, talk to uh, me what your thought was in, in, in the locker room thought when uh, Marcus Smart came down with the uh, COVID-19. Yeah, so uh, we was, when the season got suspended, we was in Milwaukee because uh, we were about to, we were supposed to play them the next day and the season got suspended. So the next day we flew home. And I think that was like a Thursday. And then that Saturday, we all got tested because we just played the Jazz about like mm -hmm. a week ago. So um, all, all the tests didn't come in at the same time. They were like, they got mixed in with, I guess, you know, other people's tests. So it took like a week, week and a half for our tests to come back. Uh, and Smart was kind of one of the first guys to get his results back in. And we all knew. So when, when he found out, I still didn't know yet. So I was still, I was nervous. But at the same time, like, I, I wasn't around my mom or my son. Like, I just stayed in my house because they told right. us to, you know, stay inside for about two weeks. But, uh, you know, Smart said he was doing fine. And, um, you know, luckily nobody else tested positive. So we was all right. Yeah, that's a scary time, especially being a father. You know what I mean? I couldn't imagine having to. Chris Paul told us a story where, similar, he was getting tested. He came home to L.A. and he hadn't got his results yet. So he had to sit in his car in his driveway until his kids went to sleep, and then once the kids went to sleep, he snuck and stayed in an isolated bedroom until he, and he happened to get his results that next morning, you know? So that shit is scary, especially, you know, when, it, when, when you could possibly bring it home to the fam. Mm. Recently, you teamed up, you know, with uh, a fellow St. Louisian, uh, Bradley Beal, uh, and raised almost $300,000 for uh, St. Louis Area Food Bank. Um, you guys have teamed up and, and, and did pizzas recently. Tell us where that charitable stuff comes back uh, came from because we, we often don't get a chance to highlight that. And, and not that you do it to get highlighted, but I think it's great when guys like yourself are really out there in the community trying to help people. Yeah, so we, I, I did it with through my foundation, um, the Jason Tatum Foundation. And I was sitting here with my mom. We was thinking of a way that we could, you know, help and, and give back to where I'm from. And, you know, for me, that's all, I'm always thinking about what can I do, you know, for the people back home in St. Louis. Cause you know, for those that don't know, St. Louis is, it's not like any other, you know, one of those big cities, um, you know, people, a lot of people from St. Louis, we don't come from much, you know, we don't have a lot. And, you know, growing up, you know, we all kind of grew up in the same area. So, you know, Brad is another person that, you know, really helps and gives back to St. Louis. And he's like my big brother. So. When I called him, you know, with the idea of, you know, how we can help raise money and donate money back home to help those in need during this time that that's not going to work and don't know where their next meal coming from. Um, you know, he was on board and, you know, for St. Louis to raise three hundred thousand dollars in two weeks mm -hmm. is like, you know, that was crazy. That was incredible, you know, because, you know, like you said, St. Louis is, you know, a small city, you know, there's a lot of crime and poverty. So for them to come together and raise that type of money and us to donate it was, was a big deal. That's a beautiful thing. 2020 Hall of Fame class, KG, Kobe, Tim Duncan. Uh, tell me some of your memories and what your thoughts are of, of that elite group. Man, well, for me, you know, obviously, you know, especially watching this Jordan documentary and, and, and hearing people mm -hmm. like around you guys' age and, and older, like how my dad talked about Jordan, really made me realize like Kobe, that was Kobe for me. Like Kobe was, was my Jordan. And he was <laughs> right. my favorite player. Right. The reason... He was the reason I started playing basketball. Like, you know, I had all the jerseys, all the shoes. I wanted to be just like him. So, 
you know, Kobe was Jordan for me, um, and and Kevin Garnett was Kevin Garnett was was my dad's favorite player. So I remember anytime anytime the Celtics played the Suns and him and Amari Stoudemire matched up, like my pops would call me like, "Yo, turn on TV. There's two <laughs> animals <laughs> playing against each other." Straight like, up, that, KG was his, <laughs> KG was his man, and and Amari Stoudemire was a, was a gangster too. Mm-hmm. You got to spend time Sorry. with Kobe and, and, and talk to him and and help work on your game. Talk to us a little bit about that because I think that is, that's amazing. Yeah, it was, uh, I had met Kobe a couple times growing up. Um, my dad's best friend, Larry Hughes. So when Larry played on Cleveland, one time for my birthday, like fourth grade, I went to when they played the Lakers. I took a picture with Kobe then. I met him at the ESPYs um, when I was in college. And then after my rookie year, during my rookie year in the playoffs, that's when he started doing a detail thing. And I remember he did one on me in the playoffs. And he, and he texted me. He texted me. He was like, you know, keep doing your thing. I'm watching, you know, after the summer, after the season, you know, hit me up anytime you're in L.A. We get some work together. Mm. I was like, I like dropped my phone. I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I remember, I remember the first day, the first day that summer I got to L.A., as soon as I landed, I text him. <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm in L.A. for a couple weeks. You know, I, I know you're probably busy, but if you got any time, I'll let it get in the gym. I remember he ain't texting me back for like four days. Like, it went four days by him texting me. And as soon as he texted me, I texted him like 20 seconds back. Like, I, I responded <laughs> fast as shit. And then, uh, you know, we, we met like twice before we actually worked out. Like, I went to his, his office, and he showed me around when he was, you know, writing books and stuff like that. And then, uh, and then we got to work out. So it was like, that was a dream come true for me. Tell us a little bit about what those workouts were like and, and what you took away. Because like we all know, I mean, his attention to detail is second to none. Uh, my kids were lucky enough to work out with him for their little 10th birthday surprise. But he was putting them through some real NBA footwork, pivot, attention to detail. How precise was he? And, and what did you take away from those workouts with him? Yeah, he, he a lot of attention to detail. Um, it, it, it wasn't really anything that I, you know, I couldn't do. It was, you know, a bunch of moves that I, that he seen me do and that he did. And it was all like little, little things to, to think about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what I really took, like, took from. It was like the little things like what, that he would think about that I really never heard anybody else, like how they approach the game or maybe mm-hmm. like some of the greats did, but, you know, for him to, to, to give me some of that knowledge right then and there and, and just, the, the little things and on, on a jab step and, you know, creating separation and, and getting this little bit of space. And it was like, I was, I was just like a kid in a candy store. I was like, I kept like talking to myself like, you know, I'm working out with Kobe. Like I, I couldn't believe it at the time. Mm, that's dope. In 2019, you signed with Jordan. Jack used to be a Jordan brand. They cut his boxes off though. Tell me uh, how that how Man. that situation came about and how excited you were for that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. Uh, I found I, I, we start my agent started working on it uh, like in the playoffs of my second year, so last year, and then um, you know when it finally came about, we finally you know negotiated and figured everything. I, I was on board. I was excited, and um, you know we took a trip. The Jordan Brand family took a trip to to Monte Carlo and Paris this summer. And uh, that was kind of like my introduction to Jordan Brand, to the world and meeting all the guys. And first time I, I, I really like yeah, sat down yeah. and talked to MJ. Uh, mm. 
I got a funny story. I, I was, we was in, we was in Paris, and I met, I, I met MJ earlier this morning, to the introduction, and like I did a bunch of media, and then that night we had a dinner. So it was like Mello was there, Blake was there, Russ, Spike Lee, like it was, it, everybody was there. So I remember, I'm still nervous, right? So I walk in, MJ sitting down, his wife next to him, and Spike next to her. So I walk in, and I was like, I'm gonna go say what's up to him before I sit down. So I'm like, I, I talked to him earlier. Like we had like a whole conversation. Like I kind of knew him, but then I walk over to him and like my hands start sweating. And I was like, what's up, Mike? <laughs> and when I went to go shake his hand, I knocked over his, I knocked over his wine glass on the table and it broke. Uh, and I was yeah. like, oh, damn. <laughs> 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 I was like, I was like oh, oh like, like let me get a napkin, let me let me help you out. He was like, he was like, young fella, it's cool, it's good, you alright. I turned around like, yo, I'm tripping. The, the fuck did I just? Yo, <laughs> <laughs> Jay, yo, man. that's dope. Speaking of Mike, what are your thoughts being able to see? Because you were young, very young. Uh, you know when Mike was making his run. Uh, me and Jack have loved reminiscing and kind of seeing because Mike was the one superstar for us that we never really got to see the other side of. We saw MJ, the Hooper, and then we see the businessman, but we didn't really get to see the personable side of him. What have you, what have you been able to take away from seeing The Last Dance? It's really, it's been, it's been incredible. Um, you know, because I was born in 98, so I never, I never saw MJ play live, really. Maybe mm -hmm. it was last year in like 03 when I was like four or five. I don't really remember much, but, you know, growing up, my dad, like, it was all MJ highlights. He's like, I know you love Kobe, but Kobe got got all this from Mike. Like, I used to watch he used to show me Mike highlights all the time. So I understood, I always understood like, no, nah, Mike, Mike the greatest, like he the GOAT for a reason. But just like actually, you know, watching it in, in real time now and, and this documentary has been uh I, I love this so far. I can't wait till next Sunday. Yeah, mm. straight up. Word. Me too. Take us back to your early days. What was it like growing up, uh, being raised by a single mom? Uh, it was it was tough. Um, you know, I grew up with a single mom. You know, my dad was around, but I lived with my mom. Uh, you know, they had me. I think they were seniors in high school, or mm. right like right after they graduated high school. So you know, they was young, and you know, growing up in St. Louis with you know not having much and um, just kind of being in that environment. Um, you know, you, like you know, most people, you don't really know that you 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 poor, you don't have it in, until you grow up or until you get something you else, get around right? people. Yeah, until you do things like that. So, uh, you know, I, I love St. Louis. St. Louis is 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 the big one of the biggest reasons you know why I am who I am today, and I always you know go home as much as possible and and show love whenever I can. Uh, you know, just because it. It, it, it got me to where I am. And, you know, we all we all got stories and situations of, you know, a lot of guys that came from the same place as us, but, you know, a couple mistakes a, a way that they didn't, mm -hmm. make, you know, make it. And, yep. you know, I, I tell people all the time, people ask me, like, you know, why, you know, why are you so confident? Or, you know, what was your biggest fear, you know, growing up? And I always wanted to, you know, play basketball and be in the NBA. And I never felt like I wasn't good enough or I didn't have the talent. You know, my, I tell people my biggest fear all the time was just growing up in St. Louis, just being at the wrong place in the wrong time. Mm. Uh, I mm. was that was like Not a real fear out. for me growing up. You know, just always. I tell people you know, that all it, the time, bro. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. real. Like being at the wrong place at the wrong time is is scary, especially you know back in St. Louis. So I I thank God every day. I, you know, I was able to live out my dream. 
It sounds like your mom was a superstar. You know, I lost my mom, and that's how Jack and I became brothers. But, it, you know, your mom was taking college classes and taking you with her, was able to earn her bachelor and law degree all while working two jobs and never missing a game or practice for you. So, I mean, definitely shout out mm -hmm. to moms for all the sacrifice she shout made to, to get moms. you where you're at today, man. For sure, yeah. I, my mom, she, sure. super mom, she, my mama, she a gangster for real. Like, I tell her, <laughs> I, I, I love my mama to death. <laughs> My yes, mom sir. gangster. That's a dope. As you when should. Did, when did you fall in love with the game? What age? Man, is like when I was probably like two or three, as long as I can remember. Like, and my dad played at St. Louis University, played overseas. You know, from my earliest memories, I had a, always had a ball in my hand, a ball in a crib. And then as soon as I could start watching and remembering, like Kobe was, he was it for me. Like I was like, mm -hmm. hey, I want to be, I want to be Kobe. And my mom was like, no, nah, you, you want to be a player like, you want to be in the NBA like Kobe. I'm like, no, nah, like, I want to be Kobe. I want to wear the fro. I want number eight. And she was like, you got to. <laughs> that was like, it was, I love, like, he was, he was Jordan for me. And he was like the reason I started playing basketball. What was it like being a high school basketball star? Like, I, I played in the McDonald's All-American game. I went to Oak Hill. You know, I think uh, having that exposure definitely gave me a lot of confidence in myself. But what, what was it like to you? What, what was being a high school star like for you? I think being a high school star, especially growing up with, with social media, um, I feel like it was different from kind of when y'all grew up because we had social media yeah. and camera phones that was out. So I wasn't like a normal high school kid. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up, where I grew up, I went to a different high school. I went to, a, uh, my mom put me in a private school, uh, college, Chaminade College Prep, so it was an all-boy Catholic school. And, um, you know, the kind of like really had me focused and it was all boys school. So, you know, wasn't girls wasn't a distraction. And, you know, I, I was focused on my books. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I had a son when I was 19. So I, I'm, I'm okay. glad. I'm glad she put me, <laughs> me in, in all boys school. <laughs> that boy might have had a couple of them before that, huh? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Stop it. Hey, yeah, cut nah, it yeah. out now. To trust me. <laughs> he too, he might, he might, if I done went to a public school, he might have been like five. He might be a little older right now. Or he, or he might have had, had a brother or sister with him already. <laughs> no, hey, so right. you're, you're, right. you're going, in, going into your senior year of high school, you verbally commit to Duke over uh, North Carolina, over Kentucky, and, and your mom and dad's alma mater, St. Louis. What was that process like, and, and why Duke? It was tough because I had built a relationship with Roy Williams. Um, I built a relationship with... Jim Cruz, who was at SLU and, and Calipari at Kentucky. Uh, but I only, I only took one official visit. I took an official visit my junior year uh, to Duke. And um, I, wanted, I wanted to commit on a spot. Um, I, love, I, I love Coach K to death. Um, you know, just being in that environment and, and talking to all the players and, and the amount of the guys that graduated that, that come back to games and practices and, you know, just the bond that they all had. I, I, I really wanted that. And, um, you know, growing up, I, I didn't really think that like guys from St. Louis like would go to Duke. I, I didn't think I didn't think that was like a thing. And then when I started getting recruited by Duke, like uh, I, it, it was cool. And just talking to Coach K and, and being in Cameron and um, enjoying a game there, I wanted to commit on the spot. And my dad was like, "Hold on, like we ain't been to other schools yet. Relax." And I was like, "No, I don't need to go to another school. Like I want right, to go to I Duke." Know. <laughs> and that in my junior year, they won a national championship, 
And like two or three days later, after they won, Coach K, um, they, they flew to my house, um, Coach Capel and John Shire. And when I had an in-home visit, and I remember I, I, it was like in April, and I told them, I was like, Coach, I'm, I'm coming to Duke. And, uh, you know, I didn't commit to later that summer, like nationally, but I told them in April that I was, I was coming to Duke. So once you're there, what's your experience like? Tell me what that college experience is like, because you, you weren't there very long, but what was it like when you were there? <laughs> no, man, I... Duke, that was like the most fun I ever had in my life. Um, just being a college kid, first time away from home, uh, kind of, you know, got more responsibilities, becoming like a young man, um, living on your own. That was that was new to me, and, you know, I enjoyed it. I had fun. Um, I, I, I still am close with a lot of the guys on the, on the team that I was, I was there for a year. Um, I still talk to the coaches all the time. I go back uh, in the summertime when I can. And after the season, after we lost, um, you know, I talked to Coach K, and I, obviously I wanted to go to the league, but it was a part of me that wanted to come back to Duke for another year. Like, I, I had that much fun just mm-hmm. being a college basketball player and, 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 and enjoying it. But uh, Coach K was like, no, nah, yo, you got to you gotta go. You, <laughs> you got to get up out of here. <laughs> you got to get up out of here. Yeah, that makes sense. What was it like playing in that uh, UNC robbery with Duke and you, that Duke and UNC robbery? What was that like? Oh man, it's it's, it's way better than than what you could imagine. Um, at at Duke, they kind of like they got this thing called the the Kville. Um, it's in, it's in front of our our gym, and and students literally like for forty like forty five days before the game, they set up tents and like you got to like you have a tent Crazy. outside the. The, the arena to get in the game. So they, they sleep outside for like 40, 45 days, 45 nights or something like that, just to be able to, to get in the student section at the Duke game. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged 
with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Mm, that's insane. Yeah, that's, that's insane. dedication. Hey, keep in mind, it's cold. It's cold as fuck out there, too. Cold. It's cold. Right. It's time. If it rains, if it snows, they be outside. It's like, it'd it be like right. 100 tents outside, and you can have up to like four or five people in the tent. That's insane. You played the four position at Duke. You played the four position at Duke. Did that help you or put you behind heading into the NBA? It, it helped me out a lot because um, I think that's kind of where I came in at, you know, with the Celtics. Um, you know, at first I didn't. I didn't know if it was going to work when I got to Duke, um, you know, when they put me at the four. But, you know, when I they look fast forward to when I get to the Celtics, um, you know, our first, our, the, the first game we played, you know, it was Al Horford at the one. I was at the four. Gordon was at the three. JB was at the two. And, and Kyle was at the one. So I kind of been in that same position, you know, since I've been in the league. And I mean, that's kind of where basketball is at now. You got mm-hmm. probably one big man and then. Three or four guys that's all around the same height that's interchangeable. One year in college, you declared for the NBA draft. Was that it? Was that an easy, easy decision? I know you said your coach was like, "Nah, you got to go and get this money." Was that an easy decision for you, or was it was it highly influenced by coach? It was tough. It was like it was an easy decision because it's like, man, ever since I was three, I was like, I wanted to play in the NBA. But then it was like once I got that opportunity, I actually thought about it for a second. Like, man, I like part of me want to come back to Duke and. And, and and try to win a national championship because I like I really enjoyed my time at Duke that much and the relationship I built with my teammates and like I, that was, that's real. So, but then you know then it's like nah I made the best decision for me and my family. And I, at the time I knew that you know I was about to have a I was expecting expecting a son. So that was the best decision for myself and my family. With the recent change of the game, basically with uh, Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd jumping. Uh, straight to the D-League, and then you being like me, like, I absolutely love my time at UCLA. You said you loved your time at Duke. If you were in a position to do that, what, what would you do, knowing what you know about college? Would you take the money and go to the G-League, or would you go ahead and go to Duke? It's tough because, like, now, knowing what I know now, I think I still might I still might have went to Duke. But if I, like, if you just rewind four years and I'm 18 coming out of high school from St. Louis, and it's five hundred thousand dollars. Like, I'm, I'm going right to the G League, for sure. I need <laughs> Straight that. up. 
<laughs> yeah, I need that. <laughs> I mean, I, they got to – I need that. But I think they, they got to change – What I think, I feel like they need to change in college. Um, no, I think you should be able to make money off your likeness. Like, mm, have if to you, be able to. If, if you at a school and, like, if I was at Duke and I want to say, like, hey, I want to host an autograph session on Saturday, you know, for, for three hours and $50, $25 a signature, like, I feel like you should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I think I think their outdated rules are going to have more and more people making that jump. You know what I mean? To me, there's there's no other alternative because they're not going to know what we know about college and how dope college is. They can hear it, but then that 500000 yeah. sounds amazing. Plus a trainer, plus they're giving you money to go back to school Man. if you really want to do that. You know what I mean? So that shit is hard to pass up, and I like the fact that the NBA is taking it into their own hands now. Like, let's sweeten this pot and get these kids right on in. But I think soon it's going to be, you're going to be able to jump right back to the NBA straight out of high school anyway. For sure. 2000, 2017, the draft comes. Uh, Danny A just playing some mind games, trades, picks, able to get you uh, in the third spot. Uh, this is where Flute, uh, Markel went first, Zoe went second, you went third. I think Donovan Mitchell went 13. What in particular do you remember about draft day and, and, and that rookie experience? Uh, yeah, he, he definitely played some mind games for sure. Because um, it was like five, five days before the draft. Because I remember Boston had the number one pick and, you know, everybody, it was kind of like known, like the media was saying, like Markel was going number one. And... Lonzo was in LA, so everybody knew Lonzo was going to the Lake. I didn't even I didn't even work out for the Lakers because I just knew me and my agent was like it's probably it's gonna be a waste of time. Like everybody know Lonzo going number two. So at the time, Philly was three and Phoenix Suns was four. So Philly, Phoenix, and Boston they came. I was in LA working out, so they came to watch me work out. And I remember, you know, I sat down and talked to them. And after I met with them all, I remember I was like I think I'm going to Philly. Like they had the third pick. You know, I had a good workout, and I talked to Brett Brown, and everything was cool. So I thought I was going to Philly. But then I, I remember I, I went to Phoenix. It was, this was a week before the draft. I went to Phoenix just to meet with Earl Watson and talk to the, to the GM and see the facility. I didn't work out. I just wanted to go meet with everybody. And shout I remember out my dog, I, Earl. Yeah, shout out to Earl. I, Earl is my guy. Like, I remember yeah, I, went out to, I went to dinner with him. The next yeah. day, I remember he picked me up. He had a white G-Wagon. He drove me around to show me, like, all the houses where the players live at. I'm like, damn. Hey, it's dope out there, ain't it? Phoenix is beautiful. Earl was my college. Earl was my point guard at UCLA. Yeah, I remember I called my my family, my mom. Like, I'm like, yo, I think I want to go to Phoenix. Like, Earl Watson, he was like, yo, you. He's like, you come to to Phoenix. You know, you and D-Book. Like, he was like, two Mm. light-skinned killers. I'm going to let y'all rock out. (laughs) I'm like. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm I'm sitting in the G. I'm sitting in the car. I'm like, man, this sounds good. Like, yeah, like I think I want to come here. So I remember I get back to my hotel. I'm about to fly back home for like two days ago before I go to New York. And I'm sitting, and my agent called me. He like, Danny A. Danny Ainge called and said they're gonna trade their pick. They're gonna go to three, and they want you to come to Boston and the, the next day to work out. I'm like, nah, I don't want to go to Boston. Like, I'm, I like, <laughs> I like it out here in Phoenix. Like, it's cool. The weather nice. I get a big house. I get a pool. Mm-hmm. My mom mm-hmm. gonna be all right. He like I, he's like Brad Stevens, a great young coach, and they got a great history. 
I'm like, I'm not trying to hear that. Like, I want to go to Phoenix. <laughs> so then he like, my agent was like, just think about it. And then I'm, so we hang up. I'm like, I'm not going to this workout. Like, I'm cool. <laughs> so then Coach K called me. Coach K called me right after uh, my, my agent did. He's like, Jason, you know, the Celtics call. They want you to come work out. You know, I think Brad Stevens is a great coach. And, you know, it's a great place to be. You'll learn a lot. So I'm like, uh, I'm like, all right. So I go. So I remember I, that I flew to St. Louis that night. The next day I flew to Boston for another workout in Boston. So that was like, this was like three days before the draft. I took the train from Boston to the draft because I had a, I had a sinus infection. So like the, the air pressure like made me sick. So I took the, took the train to the draft. And when I, I didn't, I didn't know where I was going. Like I, I, I figured it may be Boston or Phoenix. And uh, you know, when I finally heard my name called, I was, it was like, it was, it was by far the best day of my life. Cause it's like, it's what I've been working for for 16 years. But it was a part of me that didn't really want to go to Boston because they just was the number one team in the East. They had Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford, Smart JB, Jay Crowder. I was like, I mean, I'm not gonna play. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to get buckets. But I mean, everything worked out. So it, it was the best decisions. So it worked out. Yeah. You thought you thought long and hard about being that second light skinned killer out there in Scottsdale, huh? That would have been crazy. Sure him and Booker. Could you imagine him and Book? Ooh, wee. That would have been nasty. Man, man. So I, your I thought rookie day. Yeah, your rookie again, my man. Shout out my man Earl Watson, man. He he got he got done dirty out there, but I, I, it's 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 refreshing hearing all the players speak about it because players really fucked with him. Just the owner is a yeah. clown, and you know management is fucked up. But I'm glad to hear that you know Earl had convinced you that you wanted to be in Phoenix. That's what's up. <laughs> uh, your rookie debut, you play against LeBron, come out and drop a double double. Tell me what that was like. Man, I I ain't getting no sleep the night before the game. Uh, Cause it was Kyrie, it was Kyrie's first game coming back to Cleveland. You know, we got a new team, and you know, it's all this hype. So I mean, we—I don't think I'm nervous. Like I'm, we going through warmups, we run on the court. The Cavs still ain't running on the court yet, so I'm like, all right, I'm good. So I'm laying the ball up, playing cool. And then I remember the Cavs running on the floor, and then LeBron was the last person in warmups. And when he ran on the court, he ran past me. I said, damn. I just started getting nervous. Like I, started, I started shaking. My first, like, my first, the first shot I ever took in the game, I, I set a screen for Kai, I slipped it. Kai threw me a float pass, and I thought I was wide open. So I'm like, I'm gonna get my first bucket, like, I'm gonna calm down. Man, I tried to lay it up. He, he came, I don't know where Brian came, he came to the fifth row. I, ain't, I, ain't, I, ain't, I didn't score to the second half. I didn't get my first bucket to the uh, second half. What, what, was that crazy. your welcome to the NBA moment? That was for sure my welcome to the NBA moment. My first <laughs> shot, Brian came out of nowhere. I was, dope, I was that's sure. Dope. So now once you're here, you're Boston, you know, you had mixed feelings, uh, but going into a uh, place with so much tradition, so many championships, what was it like being a part of that organization once, you know, realize that's where you're going and that's where you're at? Yeah, it was, it kind of reminded me of being a Duke. Um, you know, just so much winning history and tradition and seeing all the banners they got up there and, you know, all the, the media attention. Uh, Duke really, you know, really prepared me um, to, go to, to go to Boston. And, you know, everything happened for a reason and it worked out really well. So, um, you know, I, I've really enjoyed 
being in Boston so far and, and um, you know, playing in the garden is, is like no other place. Um, the fans are amazing and just looking up there at the 17 championships that we have and all the great players that come before me to put on that uniform is, uh, is, is crazy. What, uh, what, what former Celtic have you been able to speak to or build a relationship with? Because like, I know when you play for the Celtics, like talking to Paul, all the former players, all the greats be around sometimes. Have you ever got a chance, even if it's Paul, have you ever got a, 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 a built a relationship with a Celtic great? Yeah, it, w- it would be Paul and, uh, Paul and KG. But, mm-hmm. you know, Paul is, Paul, is always, Paul is around a lot more, especially, you know, working with ESPN. So uh, I talk to him. I talk to him pretty often. Um, so, you know, just, you know, watching, cause I, I watched him growing up as well. You know, somebody that, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of took a little bits and pieces from that game. Mm-hmm. And his footwork, you know, his footwork kinda, is unbelievable. Tough, tough. Yeah. He's the truth. He's the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Straight up. so just being able to talk to him and, you know, him giving me little insights and, and, and words of encouragement, uh, you know, go a long way because, you know, oftentimes, you know, Sometimes older players, you know, sometimes talk down on, on the new generation or, yeah. or stuff like that. And, it, yeah. and it, it, it's a good feeling when, you know, somebody like Paul Pierce is, you know, welcomes you and, uh, you know, tells you that, you know, you could be the next, you know, Celtic great or whatever like that. You know, um, you mm-hmm. know that's, that's an incredible feeling. That's what's up. So yeah. going from being nervous in your first game, getting your first shot thrown back to St. Louis by LeBron to... <laughs> <laughs> to d- doing your thing in the playoffs, you know what I mean? F- f- uh, beat the Bucks in the first round in seven games, beat the Sixers in five games, and like I said, battled the fuck out of the Cavs in, in seven games, being so close to going and to the finals. And dunked on Braun. He dunked dunk, on Braun. I was well, you, at that game. I was at the game. Yo, you saw the first yeah, thing my kids said when they came in. The first thing my twin said, when you going to dunk on Brian again? You know what I mean? So that was, a, that was a crazy moment. But tell us what that was like. Also considering Kyrie was out, you know what I mean? So it was all up to the young guns to kind of do your thing. And you guys stepped on that stage, man, and, and really won over, I said, the world with the way you played, the confident way you played, dunking on motherfuckers, bumping Braun after you dunked them. Like, talk to us about that whole first year run. Yeah, that was, uh, that might have been like probably the most fun I ever had playing basketball because Gordon Gordon got hurt the first game and, and Kai got hurt with like probably it was like we played like 20 games in the regular season at the end without Kai so we we kind of was starting to form our own identity that we was going to go into the playoffs and it was weird like we was a two seed but like every nobody thought we was going to beat the Bucks like because we I was I was 19 and JB was in his second year and, and we had Terry and Smart and Mook we had like a bunch of like underdogs and, and, and things like that <laughs> And that really, like, that really, like, boosted our confidence because we had the home court advantage. And, you know, we were just like, we, we just felt like we had nothing to lose. So we, we beat the Bucks in seven. So then they was like, all right, you know, that was a fluke. They're not going to beat, they're not going to beat Philly. Philly just, I think Philly beat Miami like 4-1, you know, before that. So they was rolling. Mm-hmm. So they was like, they're not going to beat Philly. So then we was up, we was up on Philly 3-0. And then they, they came back and we beat them in five. So now we, like, and like you said, we kind of won the world over, like, just how we was playing. And, you know, I, I was leading the team in points. I was averaging, like, 19, but, like, JB was giving us 17. Terry was giving us 17. And, and Horford and, and my man Mook was hooping. So we was really playing just, like, free. Like, we had just nothing. Nobody had nothing to lose. I was hooping. Like, 
we, we was just going out and playing every night and we was having so much fun. We was locking up, you know, we, everybody was, it was involved. And, you know, once we played the Cavs, yeah, like we had, we could feel it. Like everybody was rooting for us. Like everybody, you know, mm -hmm. we was like kind of a feel good story. Like people wanted us to see, wanted to see us do well. And even, you know, to take us to take the Cavs to game seven and play against Brian, like my first year in the league. And that's like, that's something I'll never forget like that. That really has taught me a lot, and uh, you know, it, it really you know builds character and boosted you know my confidence going into you know you know now. It was good to see Matt because, like I said, I was there, but mm -hmm. to see two young guys in the young team without without Kyrie, it was refreshing to me, and it was a, it was one of my favorite series to watch because I was happy to see some young guys compete and take that challenge and been thrown on the stage at a young age against LeBron. They didn't back down. I see so many. No I see so many guys in the league that don't take the challenge that back down. But it was good to see two young guys that I knew they was from that from that culture. They went out there and they stepped up. They didn't win, but mm -hmm. I think the world was just happy to see some some young talent come and compete and and, and see the future Hell get yeah. ready to rise in the league. That was that was refreshing uh -huh. for me to see, bro. No question. That shit was beautiful to watch. Talk to us a little bit about that one particular play. You know, the, the dunk, the bump. You know, that shit was on Sports Center Top 10. What happened? Like, you know, how, how, talk to how that dunk, you know, was talked about Man, and, and kind of changed things. Even no lie, to this day, people either tag me on, on Instagram or Twitter. Like, I, I see the dunk every day. Since it's somehow, somehow. <laughs> somehow. Uh, yeah. How many man, people face was, LeBron like that though? Straight up. Yeah. <laughs> nah, it's definitely. I got listen. I got a post of it upstairs in my in my hallway. Like my That's mom got dope. a post of it. My pops got one in his, in his house. Uh, it was crazy because you know I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. It was in the fourth quarter. It was a low scoring game too. So. Like, both teams was kind of struggling a little bit. And Brad caught a timeout, and he like, we settling too much for jumpers. You know, let's, let's try to get one. Let's try to get to the foul line, attack the rim. So I remember Smart had the ball. Al come set a pin down for me, and he was like, JT, when you get it, you know, attack downhill to make a play for yourself or somebody else. So I remember I got it, and I, I turned the corner, and it's like everything kind of slowed down for a second because I seen Brian. I'm like, oh, it's like. I gotta try to dunk it, cause if like I, I I didn't think I was gonna dunk him. I was like, let me just try to dunk it. Hopefully, I get the foul or something. So I I'm like, oh, so like the first for like five seconds, everything slowed down. And as soon as I jumped, <laughs> as soon as I jumped, it was like, and then I, I'm coming down on the ground, and I don't I don't know why, but I bumped him and I yelled in his face, and I remember he looked <laughs> yeah, at me. Yeah, I loved it. He he after I bumped him, he looked at me like. I'm like, oh, let me get back on defense. <laughs> <laughs> like this nah, look. Nah, nah. That wasn't this that look, look though. Yeah. That was a look like, oh, oh, this motherfucker is for real. Yeah, yeah like this motherfucker <laughs> yeah. nigga came to play. Yeah, yeah, that, was, yeah. that was a look of how how dare you? But there was a look, a little bit of respect in that look too. Like this little motherfucker came to hoop, man. For yes, sure. Sir. And he, then, you know, after that season, he gave you one of the, you know, the best compliments you can get is, you know, you're built for stardom. He saw the star in you, obviously, throughout the season, but especially in that, in, in that playoff series. And what did that mean to you to kind of be stamped by arguably one of the greatest players of all time? He gave him yeah, the nickname, I mean, that, the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like you said, um, you know, I, 
when I when I step on the floor, I, like I don't I don't I never back down from anybody. I I tell myself like when I step on the floor, like I'm the best player out here. Like that's how I approach it. Mm-hmm. But I like I still I understand like LeBron is what he means to basketball and what he means to players like myself and you know just basketball in general. Like what he's done so much for the game. So to get that you know that nod from him, it's a big deal. Um, you know you 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 appreciate that. You know just getting recognized by, like you said one of the one of the greatest. How important was the Team USA experience to you? That was super important. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was able to be a part of it. Um, I got hurt in our second game, so I didn't I didn't get mm-hmm, to play. I remember that. Uh, you know, the rest of the tournament we end up we end up losing. But really, just learning from from Pop, man, was like that was so beneficial to myself and and I think the way I played this 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 season, honestly, you know, he really challenged he challenged me every day in film and in practice. And I remember he sat me down one day. We was in front of the, uh, we was in the elevator, and we got off the elevator. He sat me down in like one of the, the stools in the hallway. And he was like, he was like, "Can I talk to you?" I'm like, "Yeah, Pop." And he's like, "I want to, I want to tell you something, and I hope you don't get offended." And Pop, I'm, I don't know what he about to say because Pop crazy. Like he'll say whatever <laughs> he want. He'll say whatever. Right. Oh, hey, Jack knows. Trust me, <laughs> <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> he like, I hope I don't offend you, but he was like, you could be. You could be like Kawhi Leonard, mm. and I said, "Why would I be?" I said, "Why would I be offended, Pop?" He's like, "Oh, I'm just making sure." He was like, "A lot of guys think they're two-way players, but it's only a few guys that are actually good enough and able to do it." And I feel like you have the the capability of being a, a, a two-way, a real two-way player in this league. And mm. ever since then, he challenged me every day on defense and practice, and that kind of carried into this season. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. 
Mm, that's dope. Well, I just thought overall, like you said, the experience, the chance for you, Kemba, Jalen, and Marcus just to all be around that kind of coaching staff and, and other stars was going to pay dividends because, you know, was, Kimba's still young, but, you know, especially the, the, your, your young core, just, get, just rubbing off, you know, rubbing, uh, you know, being around great coaches, being around, having that experience, and then the confidence is going to carry over into the next season, and I think you touched on that. Um, in February, you averaged 30 per game, becoming only the fifth Celtic mm-hmm. behind some classic names, Havlicek, Bird, Pierce, Isaiah Thomas, you being five. What goes through your head when you hear those names and knowing you have a place in Celtics history? Uh, that was, uh, I mean, that, that, it kind of like shocked me. You know, when you when you put those those names up there, those are, you know, some of the greatest. And, and even IT, when he was here for those two years, he was a he was an animal. Um, but you know, I was just I was just in a groove. I remember it kind of like. The switch kind of clicked for me when once I felt when I once I found out I made the All Star game, um, it was like it was like some pressure was was relieved because coming into the season that was like that was my main focus was making the All Star game because I didn't make it my second year and you know a lot of people were you know doubt me and and count me out and I felt like this was kind of like my 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 last chance to like you know kind of show people like I'm still you know I'm still mm-hmm. able and capable to do what I do so. Making making the All Star game was such a big deal for me, and I was I was like pressing, and it was like messing with me mentally this season. You know, if I had a bad game, I'd be sick. Like, damn, I'm not gonna make it. But then I have a good game. Like, all right, I think I'm gonna make it. But once I found out I made it, it was just like, all right, like let's hoop now. And then you know, I think from that point, I was averaging like 30, 30 something like that. Mm, your mind's got to be free. It's a beautiful thing. Talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about, like I said, so a, a successful, obviously, rookie season, the run you guys had, the playoff run you have. Take a step back that second year. There's, they hear there's chemistry issues. They hear Kyrie's a problem. They hear there's no ball moving. You hear a, whole bu- a bunch of things. What was the difference between that second-year team and the third-year team now where you're flourishing as an all-star? The chemistry seems to be back on track. Um, what changed, you know, outside of changing, you know, Kyrie, Kyrie and Kemba, who are similar players to a sense, you know, from the outside looking in. But what has been the big difference and why are you guys back to the chemistry we saw as fans your, your rookie year? Uh, I think it was a lot of things that I think played a part in that my, my second year. Like you said, we had that group, that young group, you know, we, we, we almost get, we like a couple stops away from getting to the championship. So it's like we we had a big summer, you know, guys are we feeling ourselves, we excited, we we ready to take that next jump. I think, you know, I'm I'm ready to be an all-star my second year. But now we got Gordon and Kai coming back. And like we we everybody like we all had good guys. Like everybody got along. You know, we we like being around each other, but I think it was just like everybody had kind of like personal goals, which is not wrong. Um, you know, we we all were a fault to some degree, you know, I didn't play great. JB, you know, nobody played as good as they wanted. And then we weren't winning. So that had, like, that affected us as well. I remember the first 20 games, we was 10 and 10. And everybody thought we was going to have the best record in the, in the league. And, like, we, we just weren't consistent. We would have, like, a, a stretch where we, like, we would win five or six in a row. But then we would go one and, one and six. And I think we just, it just, we just couldn't figure it out. And, you know, coming in this third year, we, we, we lost, like, six or seven guys. 
And basically the message coming in this season was like last year, like let's just forget about it. Like last year happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we can learn a lot from it individually and as a team, but like let's just forget about it. We can't change what happened, so let's just focus on this year and try not to make the same mistakes we did last season. And I think we've been doing a pretty good job of that uh, so far. Absolutely. I mean, I really felt you guys were coming on strong, especially chemistry-wise. Jack and I both know being able to be on championship teams, chemistry is is is, is king. And you really feel, see and feel like you guys are having fun out there. You and JB are going back and forth doing your thing. Kai does this, or excuse me, Kimba's doing his thing. Gordon's getting his footing back under him. You guys are playing really well. You know, you are, to me, you guys are not necessarily the surprise team of the East because we know how good and talented you guys were, but just coming off that second season, we're just like, well, what team are we going to get? You know what I mean? So you guys are proven in that second half of the season, man, that you guys were definitely a team to be reckoned with, and I was looking forward to this playoff run. What are your thoughts, and, and how optimistic are you about us, or excuse me, you guys, returning to the court this season? To be honest, man, I don't, I don't know. It's like one week you hear one thing, and then the next week you hear something else. So I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I, th- I feel like it may be tough to come back um, you know, so many obstacles and variables that you got to put in place and work things out. And, you know, and I hear like playing, uh, playing without fans. Like, I don't, I don't, I know a lot of people probably don't, you know, don't want to do that um, because I, I just think that's, you lose a lot of the passion for the game. And like, that's kind of who we play for. We play for the fans. We play the for the energy. excitement of the game, yep. the energy. The energy, We yeah. feed off of that. So, I mean, I mean, they got people that's going to try to figure it out in one way or another. Uh, but to be honest, man, at this point, I don't know what's going to happen. You and Kyrie got a good, uh, got a good Duke connection. You know, uh, y'all, been, y'all been brothers. What was it like playing with him in Boston and uh, now, now with him being in Brooklyn? Uh, yeah, that's, that's like my big brother. Um, obviously, the Duke connection. And I, I joke with him all the time. He only played nine games at Duke. So I'd be like, bro, you really didn't, <laughs> you really didn't go to Duke. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. What you play, but, shit? You only what you only play? You only play what? Twenty five? Y'all both was in and out that motherfucker yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, playing with uh, you know we had the at the same time we had the same agent, and then you know playing two years with him, um, you know it like especially my first year, like I don't people I don't care like people might think he crazy, but Kai got he got game like oh, he one of God. the he one of the most skilled <laughs> basketball players like. No question. Ever. No and question. Like me, me getting to see it, my, especially my first year, it's it's a difference being on the court with him and seeing it, and every day, every game, and in practice, like just some of the things he did with the ball was just like mind boggling to me, and the way he was able to finish, mm-hmm. like he he like he's special, uh, and he he's, he's one of the he one of the best players I've got to, was able to see and in person and play with. And, you know, his decision to go to Brooklyn, obviously, I mean, a lot of people was mad and things like that. But, you know, us as basketball players, we understand, like, once you get to a certain level and a certain point in your career, like, you've earned the right to make the decision on on what makes you happy and what you want to do. So I wasn't, I mean, I was, I was happy for him. You know, if that's, he wanted to go back home and be closer to his family and play, you know, something he dreamed about. I think everybody should have that opportunity because, you know, you know, you can get traded in the blink of an eye and, and, you know, nobody get mad at right. the, the organization, mm-hmm. but, you know, everybody point the finger when somebody wants to go do what makes them happy. Facts. Right. Absolutely. It's the, it's the business when you're traded, cut, waved, but you're a bad guy when you take your happiness and freedom into your own hands. It's a cold game. 
your first All-Star appearance, you, you, you spoke on how nerve-wracking it was being up to that, you know, leading up to that time. You're named an All-Star. Talk to us about what that was like in, in you know, kind of a, the exhale you took, like, shit, I'm, I'm here now. I was supposed to be here possibly last year, but I'm here now. Tell us what that was like. Man, All-Star was a, it was a great experience. I was there my first two years with the rookie and sophomore game, but it's a different vibe. It's a different, like, I had a different walk about myself this time. I was like, I'm an All-Star now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I'm with the I big boys different. now. Oh, we seen it. Right. We seen that walk on you. We seen it. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Straight up. I had a different walk, and I remember uh, the best part about it was Sunday during when we got to the game, and I walked in the locker room, and like I, I got to see my jersey, and that it was just like, like man, it, like this is what you dreamed about. Like you, I finally made it, and I looked to my left, LeBron locker next to me, and Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Dame Lillard and and Anthony Davis, you know, all guys that like out when I was in middle school and and high school watching these guys play, and now we on the same team. I think that's the coolest part about being an All Star, like getting the the opportunity to maybe whether it's three or five minutes you in the game and it's not really meaningful, but just being able to be on the court with like, all right, I'm on the court with Kawhi and Chris Paul, you know, just being able to play with different guys that, you know, you may not never get to play with, uh, was, 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 it was incredible. And especially the way they, the format changed this year, you know, the last couple minutes of the game was, was, was crazy. And I, I loved, I loved the way they did that. And, uh, it was, it was enjoyable for the players and enjoyable for the fans and everybody watching. So, you know, I think the NBA did a great job with that. Okay, from the All-Star game to regular season, or just period, what's the toughest player you like to battle with? The toughest player? Uh, yeah. I, uh, it, it's, it's, it's either like Kawhi, Melo, Paul George. I would say KD was hurt this year, so, so it'd be between those three. Because uh, those are all three guys like I like will watch film on in high school and, you know, study their moves and, and now I get to play against them. And now, you know, Melo is a little bit older, but, you know, with Paul George and Kawhi being on the same team and especially I, like Kawhi, Kawhi, he, he like, he, he that deal. Like, mm. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Kawhi, we know. Hell yeah. It's not flashy, but he, he get the job done. So I, I always like watching him and you know, I, how hard he compete on both ends. Um, you know, I, I like watching the Clippers play when I'm not playing. What was it like to be able to drop Paul George on that move and then still hit the shot? Mm-hmm. One of the better defenders in the game. You hit him with the old, that old move, got him, and then was still able to knock down the shot. Yeah, no, it was, it, it was crazy. Uh, PG is somebody that, you know, obviously I looked up to and, and kind of built a relationship with, you know, since I was in college. Uh, talk to from time to time. And, you know, I just remember getting him off that switch. And, I mean, we got tangled up a little bit. So, I, you know, he, he probably stepped on my foot or something. But, you know, just the, he fell. And then it was like, I gathered myself. I'm like, man, you got to hit this. Got to. But then it was, but it, it, I couldn't celebrate because it was tied. So I, I just it was had a to good play game. It, cool it was a hell of a it game. Was still like, no, nah, yeah, it was a good game. Hell yeah, hell of a game. Talk to me a little bit about, because I see the, 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 the joy and the pride you take in, in, in fatherhood and becoming a star simultaneously. You, you know, you bring your son around a lot. Talk to us about what that balance is like and, and, and how rewarding being a father is to you. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's unlike anything I, I thought it was going to be. You know, I knew I was going to have a, I found out I was going to have a kid like the end of 
the last month or two of college. Um, so it, I was I was 19 at the time. So I moved to Boston, moved my, my family out here and I got drafted. So it's like everything just kind of like my words got turned upside down, like in all in the span of six months. And I remember I was so nervous because it was like I was so I was so like worried and, and concentrated, like I'm going to be like I'm going to be one of the best. I'm going to be a star like I'm not going to let nothing get in that way. But now it's, now it's like I got a, I got a son and I want to be the best father I can be. So it's like, all right, it, I look at it as a challenge. Like, I'm going to do both. Like, I'm going to be one of the best in the league, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be there with him every step of the way. And it's it's been a joy. I mean, I got help. You know, his mom is up here, and, and my mom helps me out a lot, obviously, with traveling. But, you know, any chance I get, I'm always with them. And, you know, I, I take more pride in, in, in being a father than I do playing being a basketball player. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's nothing like it. it the, the joy is is incredible. Absolutely. We salute you, man. We we, you know, we both all got kids and know that feeling, man. But we can see it in your face, in your eyes when you bring him around and and, and really kind of show him out. And I think that's dope, man. Music today. Let's, let's go into music. What you listening to nowadays? Any any artists or song on repeat right now? I got like my I got my favorite, like the, the people who are my favorite. But I, I listen to everybody. So it's like whatever is is new, like the baby got some new little baby, mm-hmm. um, a boogie. You know, I always listen to you know what's what's latest, so I'm I'm always a fan of that. Yeah. But I still got the guys that's like my favorite. You know, who who is just you know that list gonna stay there. Who's your go-to? Who's your favorites? Who's your top five? Your starting five in the rap game. Like my start, my my five. All right, Hove is the Hove is the he the greatest. Hove is mm-hmm. he is he the goat. I got mm-hmm. Drake at number two. I think Drake my favorite, but Ho, I thought I got Hove is the greatest. So I got Hove, Drake, I got Lil Wayne. Wayne, them three is goats. Wayne is Wayne is number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wayne is my Wayne goat. Is, yeah, Wayne he he the, he a goat too. Them three. Uh, Biggie Biggie number four. Uh. I mean, I'm, I thought throw Nelly in there. Nelly number five. Mm, I ain't mad yeah, at that. Yeah, you got to. Come on, man. You got to. <laughs> I ain't mad at that. Yeah, Nelly number five. Country Grammar went diamond. Yeah, he put you in. Yeah, he went diamond. Come on, man. He put, he put y'all on the map. For real. Get to stomping in them Air Force Ones. And ain't too many rappers <laughs> went diamond. <laughs> Not many. He, he definitely one of them. If yeah. any rapper could name drop you in a song, what rapper would you want that to be? Just one? Mm-hmm. Cause you know, cause, cause you know, whatever you say, nine out of ten times you say it on here, it's gonna happen. <laughs> I know. You can, you can, if you want two, you can give us two if you want. If you can't yeah, decide you can give between. Us two. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not gonna say Hove. I'm not gonna say because he don't really like make music like that no more. So I'm not going to say Hove. Mm, not, I ain't going to say Drake neither. I, for, for, for real, if if Lil Wayne or Yo Gotti, if mm. Lil Wayne or Yo Gotti said my name in a song, because Yo Gotti one of my favorites too. That's what's up. Uh-oh. So, oh, to, yeah. as, much, yeah. as much as Lil Wayne watched basketball, trust me, it's coming. It's on the <laughs> it's way. It's coming. It's definitely I, on the way. I, I need one of them next, them next mixtapes. Dedication seven or something. I need. I need to hear my name. <laughs> yeah. 
Trey. Uh, That's fine. You, uh, you joked that you got a top five hairline in the game. Back in my day, <laughs> look, I sound the old as fuck. Yeah. I was known was, for you, a nice hairline. You was leading the league, shit. man. You was leading the league. <laughs> Boy, my shit was Chris Beany. Who's your top three hairlines in the game right now? No, yeah, Matt, you was fresh. You, you was holding yeah, it down for the light skin. Fresh. Light yeah, skin. Exactly. <laughs> we we got to hold it down. But you got like that, you, no bullshit, you got like that picture-perfect hairline, though. Like, your shit is perfect in the front and then the drop down in the hooks. Like, I definitely admired your shit. You know, I, I be looking at hairlines like a motherfucker. You got a, you got a nice crispy one, for sure. I, I got my hat on right now. I'm just look crazy right now. Yeah, Shimani is crazy. Uh, I, got a, I got a motherfucking beanie on. I feel you. Top five, top three hairlines, myself. Who else be fresh? PG. I give it to PG. PG I, be, I was about to say, PG. PG got, uh -huh. a, got a sick, sick hairline. The third one, the third one, it could be... I ain't gonna lie. Uh, what's my man's name? Fred, Fred Van Fleet. He, he keep he a crispy one, too. Yeah, he crispy. Yeah, he, be, he, crispy. he keep an extra he, crispy. He, he keep a fresh cut. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I peep that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think some good names it, right it's, there. No, it, it's no disrespect to people your complexion, Jack, because sometimes we couldn't see the hair on your head, but I think when you're <laughs> light-skinned with that... With that. <laughs> my hair line was live, though, when you could see it, Matt. My yeah, shit, I when you could see fresh. It. Hey, but that was the one thing I, I, one thing that used to fuck me up, Jack, is sometimes we couldn't see your hairline or your tattoos. I'm like, damn, I know the motherfucking tattoos hurt, but you can't even see them all. <laughs> oh, that's fucked oh, up, man. man. That's fucked like, up. You think you got some that's fresh tattoos? Nobody can even see them bitches. <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> All right, man. We going in. We coming coming down the home stretch. We're gonna go into quick hitters. Go ahead and start him off, Jack. All right, all right. Quick hitters. Okay, now listen. Before I ask you this question, your answer, if you know or have or are connected to the answer of this question, you have to plug us and make sure it happens. Who would you like to see as the guest on our show? As a guest on our show. A guest on y'all show. Mm -hmm. It don't have to be a basketball player. No, anybody. No, not at all. Anybody. I, I seen my favorite. My favorite show so far was KG. KG mm. was my favorite one so far. But if I could pick somebody, probably. Man, that's a tough one. I know, right? <laughs> we had that. There, that's everybody. a tough one. Meek Mill, maybe. Mm. Meek Mill be nice. That's yeah, a good call. We, need, yeah we... we need to have Meek on here. That's a good call. We got a lot Hell, of stuff yeah, to talk to Meek about too. Yeah, because he doing. Wait, y'all had. Great call. Y'all had Denzel on here? No. Oh, Shit. We wish. Yeah, we I just, mean, uh, yeah, I, I, that's probably not that easy, but Denzel? That would be dope as hell. Most, uh, most underrated one most, most underrated <laughs> player in the league. He said he didn't know neither one of them. <laughs> he, he can't hook us up with neither one of them. He don't know neither one of them. <laughs> I don't know neither one of them. A <laughs> hey, uh, most underrated player in the league, in your opinion? I might be biased, but I think I think Brad Bill might be one of the, the most underrated players. Like, he mm. averaged 31 this mm. season, and he ain't make the All-Star game. Crazy. And, yep. Like, I feel like if he's probably if he was in a bigger market, you know, that he would be on ESPN more. But I don't know what it is. I, like real basketball fans, you know, they they know and and mm -hmm. they know like how good he is. But like I think he need more. He need more attention because he's a killing killer. killer. Definitely. Player with the, with the most swag. What player has the most swag to you? Off the court or on the court? Total. Just period. Period. 
My I my man my man T Row Terry Terry Rozier out there in Charlotte. T Rozier, yeah, okay. okay. T Row, yeah. Leon Killer that's, that's too. Shout out T Row. Any shows you currently binge watching? I've been trying to watch that Ozark a little bit. I was. It yeah, starts it's off slow. It's good. It, it's, it starts slow, but stick with it. Stick with it. It starts slow, but that shit get going crazy, bro. Crazy. That's what I heard. I'm a big. Yeah. I'm a big Power guy. Power was my show. Yeah. Hell yeah, it's yeah, a great show. Yeah, of course. Great show. Favorite quarantine snack? Uh, honey buns or rice, rice, rice Krispie treats or them, them good old honey buns? Oh, them honey buns is fire. Honey you buns, can't go them. wrong. Put them boys in the microwave. You don't take them out the plastic. What you do is you open the top part and you leave it in the plastic and you put the whole thing in the microwave. You feel me? You put the whole thing in the microwave <laughs> By 15, by 15 seconds, man, I'm telling you, 15 seconds, it's over with. It's over. Over. <laughs> Jack, Jack, you talking to a fellow stoner, bro. You don't think I know how to heat up a motherfucking honey bun? I'm just saying, man. I, 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 had, to, I, had, to re, I had to reenact it because it took me there. When he said honey bun, I went there. I almost hey, walked to my microwave is, over hey, there. Them shits is fire. Uh, favorite Crack. retro jersey? The old school magic joint with the with the Ooh. pinstripes with the penny pinstripe black joints. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, the black Them one. Them shits was hard. Shaq and Penny days. I hope, I hope Penny sent us that one too. Um, if you had, if you could get courtside seats to any game at any time at any era, what game would it be? Oh, uh, courtside to 2001 when 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 AI played when they played uh, the Lakers, the Lakers. And, and Staples Center. Stepped over T. Lou. Oh, yeah, when he had they went in and stole that game. That was the only game the Lakers lost in the playoffs that year. That's yeah, the only I, I, game. I'd love to see that. That's Give classic. me your top five in the game, in the history of the game. In the history? Yep. Mike, 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 Brian, Kobe, Mike, Kobe, Brian. It's like they, they two and three, whatever way you want to put it. Yeah, yeah. It's tough because it's like I, I didn't see Bill Russell play. I didn't see Will Chamberlain. I didn't mm-hmm. see Larry Bird. No, go with what you know. Go with what you know. We feel the same way about some of the older. We we feel that. So go with what you know. I respect them though. I I respect them. I just didn't see them play. So Magic Johnson number four. And then the third, the, the for the fifth spot is between Shaq, Kareem, and KD for real. Yeah, I ain't yeah. mad at that. KD might, top, KD might be in the top. KD might be in the top five already. KD is a killer, and I think people yeah, take the, the, they take Jeez. his talent for granted, and, and and may like not like something about him, so they don't give them the due just as far as his game on the court. But his game on the court is second to none. Second yeah, to when none. he step on that, when he when he laces them up, he he mm, it. he laces them. He laces them hoes. You better have your shoes on tight. All right, this is our final segment of the show. It's Stephen Jesse Jackson's begging segment. Jack, take it away. Bang. Yes, I'll take it away. So, therefore, we just talked about how I was rudely and abruptly booted from the Jordan family. Shout out to my boy Nico, though. They're still showing me love. They're still showing me love because, Mike, you know, Mike understands that I'm the first person to get his team, his organization to the playoffs. Enough about me, though. Um, you got, I need, I, need a, I need a jersey, bro. Can I get some green player exclusives shoes from you, bro? Mm. I, know you got, I know you got some green the, ones. Like, you can't, I can't find no I... green ones nowhere. The ones you play in. The ones I play in? Yes. Yeah, I can do that. 
Mm, there you go. That's love. That's love, bro. I appreciate it. That's easy. That's easy. That's easy. Dope, dope, That's dope. And I'm, I'm going to hit you up for some kids' shoes. That's all I want. I don't want nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. All right, man. That's, that's a wrap, love, bro. Thanks, bro. Jason Tater, man, we appreciate you. Thank you for taking some time with us, uh, man. Best of luck if the season comes back. Uh, stay healthy. Uh, you know, keep being a great dad and keep doing your thing, man. We appreciate your time today. Pick up, pick up right no, where you left off, bro. Yes, sir. I got you. Keep holding for it down sure. for the light skins with the good hairline. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Send my love hey, to Pop Soup. That's a wrap. Jack, good show. Good day today, Stack. Good job, my boy. That's a wrap. Uh, you can catch all the smoke on Showtime Basketball YouTube or all platform streaming podcasts. All of them. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown? Sleep tight stories. There's something about how this place forms a different kind of person. On my high school team, we had five guys make the NBA. We had the county rocking. You mentioned Prince George's County. People know what it's about. It's the mecca of basketball. There are those who come before us upon whose shoulders we stand. Being from this area, you have to have tough skin. The gym became his sanctuary. PG County guy. Provide buckets for America. Prince George packs a lot of power, a lot of character. It's nothing that you can do to stop that competitive edge. We're pushing the community and the culture forward. There's just in the water. This life was all I ever wanted. I'm not leaving. Not yet. I was hoping you'd say that. You gotta hit the streets, make some money. People like us must destroy people like him. Buckle up.
Showtime free at Showtime.com.